Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello to all of our fungal associates out there, and hello, Casey. Hello, Alex. Casey, do this for me. Imagine a job mm. where you can work whenever you want, okay, on whatever you want, Ooh. from wherever you want. Ow. Where would you choose? Mm, a tree. Naturally. Is that too obvious? No, I. Well, y- y- not too obvious, but okay. it is obvious. On brand, obvious. Now, what if I told you that? This dream job could become your reality. I would do it. This is the life of a freelancer like me. And with some hard work and the help of Hectic, it could be your life too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers like you who are just getting started or looking to take their freelancing business to the next level. From an easy-to-use contracts and proposals builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-pay technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. All of the stuff that freelancers hate doing the most, Hectic takes care of it. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary now to learn more and start for free. Yep. Adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary, you'll be supporting us in this podcast because who couldn't use a little extra support right now, Casey? Oh, yes, please. Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary and arbitrary is spelled A-R-B-O-R-T-R. A-R-Y, to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use the way you've always dreamed of. Casey, I wish I had Hectic App when I lost my job to COVID in March. That probably would have been pretty helpful because you could have basically started yourself as your own business. Yeah. Instead, I fumbled my way through everything and life was hell. <laughs> Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y today to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Completely Arbitrary. We're back. My name is Alex Croson. I'm one of your hosts, alongside Casey Clapp. Casey Clapp. Host number dose. Host number dose. Huh? I just made that up. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't think uh, anyone who speaks Spanish is going to be like, I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce uh, host. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we're, we're formulating new things tonight. Yeah, exactly. Like languages. Yeah. That's what language is all about. It is what it's all about. Uh, there it is. Oh, Casey's Googling something. Yeah. Looking for some last minute inspiration for this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Exactly. I need inspiration every single time. What's this, my inspiration this week? 
This has happened once before. What? Where you were Googling something last second. Yeah, Jupiter's nut. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's kind of cool. Uh, Juglin's uh, Niagara? Just Niagara, yeah. Niagara. I don't know what... Not Niagara. Yeah. That's, that's a falls. It's a big falls. Oh, hey, interesting fact. Hmm. I believe this is a fact, and I'm going to say it as if it was without looking it up. Wow. What is the second largest waterfall by volume in the United States of America? After, of course, Niagara. Uh, is it Multnomah Falls? Not Multnomah. Horsetail? Nope. Uh, You're thinking long. You're thinking long and skinny. I'm talking like, what's the what's oh, the sequoia pun- of waterfalls? Punchbowl? Nope. I don't know. Willamette Falls on the Willamette River oh. in the small little Puebla of Oregon City. Interesting. I'm oh, a- yeah. That is a big-ass falls. It's huge. I never even think of it as a falls because it's like part of a mill. It is the largest waterfall in the northwestern... United States by volume and the seventeenth widest in the world. Wow! Yeah, there you go. Good for us. That is uh, three thirty thousand eight hundred forty nine cubic feet per second. Jeez, wow. I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot too. Sometimes when I hear numbers, I just zone out because I'm so not like a number thinker. Oh yeah, it's hard for you to like you know get the conceptualize it. Maybe yeah. If somebody starts, if somebody starts saying a huge number, I just mm. I I kind of like shut down. And then when they finish, I go, "Wow, that's big." Yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> if they're taking their time to tell me how big it is, it's probably pretty big. It's probably huge. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, think, I think it's reasonable. Like when we were talking about the the world's largest tree, the world's largest Douglas fir. Oh yeah. I was like, wow. Wow, that's really tall. But like, I absolutely did not pay attention to how tall it was. <laughs> You're just like, I have no idea. Nope. Also, I cannot confirm that it is in fact the second largest by volume. Well, let's say it is. I that's kind of what straight. we do on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> what did I say? It's uh, what seventy percent of my facts I want to be relatively true. Yeah, we have plenty Perfect. of people willing to correct us, Casey. <laughs> yeah, thanks, you guys. <laughs> uh, Casey, before we get into this week's tree, I want to talk about a little something kind of fun. Oh, tell me. This is a thing uh, called tree.fm. What? It I'm is gonna... a website. Okay, I'm going to go to it right now. Mm-hmm. Is it like tree tree.fm dot, is like the FM instead of com? Exactly. Okay, gotcha. So go to everybody, pull out your phones Ooh. or if you're on your computer. Uh, so pretty. Pull up Chrome. <laughs> Remember forests? <laughs> That's so sad. You remember those things where wild things grew? It is sad. <laughs> Go to tree.fm, and uh, I'm just going to do a little demo of it here. This is kind of nice. Casey, I'm going to hit this button and go to a random forest. All right. Um, this one is uh, Spain. It's in Spain. It's at the Parque de la Acevera in Lugones in Spain, and it's uh, recorded by Sounds of the Forest. I'm assuming that's right. like a person. Um, let so me let, hear it. Let's hear the Spanish forest. That's beautiful. It's so <laughs> tranquil. It's almost peacefully quiet. For those of you who are questioning, there no sound came out. Oh. What kind of... what? I, I want to know all about that. So you can just click the button, and it'll take you and it to just takes and you, takes you to a random forest, and it plays a little thing. I love that. Yeah. All right, I did one, and it has El Salvador, Riverside, Rio Sapo, and it's like it's like recorded by you know 
a co-op of people all around the world. So it's like it's like kind of crowdsourced. It's oh really my cool. god! Oh, there's Guatemala, and then they say plant some trees. I love that. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, Tree FM, go check it out. My friend uh, Jeffrey Silverstein suggested that. Jeffrey Silverstein, check check Jeffrey's music out. Yeah, on I was going to say he's a musician, isn't he? Fantastic songwriter, musician. Yeah. Oh man! All right, this is great. All right, so I had I just just one comment on this. Okay. There was someone who did comment on our show. Some one some one of our one of our shows some back sometime and they asked if we could also help provide like a full five cents kind of uh experience and i you know i think we've we've worked on it like uh, you know we've added in some flavor things literally <laughs> oh, oh people don't like our clever. eating no they did I've seen some people who don't. Oh, well, sorry. And then literally the next episode, we ate something. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's the way it goes. We'll do it sparingly. <laughs> well, but in this case, actually, I think people, uh, this this one comment was saying, yeah, they were liking or wanted more of the five senses where we could say this is what it feels like, what it sounds like, all yeah, these other things. Yeah, sure. So I really like the idea that you can go and like experience a forest in mm-hmm. some faraway place that you've never been, may not be able to ever go. Yeah. And then like say, yeah, we need to help plant some trees or help like protect this area because this is so nice yeah it may even it may encourage you to uh, go outside of the forest in your own exactly. neighborhood exactly oh and everyone should casey let's talk about our tree of the week all right and this week we are discussing something i'm i did not even know was a tree until you told me it existed what like many of these trees oh i love that we are talking about the lodgepole pine that's right. Which is just a lot of fun to say. Isn't it? It kind of rolls off the tongue. Lodgepole pine. Pinus contorta. Pinus oh. contorta. Yep. Variety. Latifolia. Well done. Look at you. <laughs> I am, of course, referencing the Sibley Guide to Trees, something I plug every single episode. Honestly, is, is Sibley going to give us a plug on this sometime? Like, he's got he's to gotta be like, these people. Is he alive? Super fans. Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Yeah. Whoops. Anyway. Uh, um, Casey... Wait a second. I have just found an inscription. You gave me this book. I've just found an inscription from you in the first page. What does this say? I had no idea this was here. Can I read it on the mic? Sure, I think so. Alex, I hope you get to know this book through our show, and I can't thank you enough for taking it on with me. Much love, Casey. There you go. Casey. Alex. That's so sweet. That's just put a smile ear to ear on my face. Your smiles are my favorite thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a way to start this episode. Let's talk about the lodgepole pine. <laughs> okay. All right. The first thing I want to say about it. Okay. Because now I'm the expert. You need to go for it. Uh, lodgepole. Well, first contorta. I told you this before we started recording and you told me to say it on mic. <laughs> contorta. What is it, Pinus Contorta? Yeah, that's the scientific name. Contorta sounds like one of the uh, unforgivable uh, spells from Harry Potter. Yeah, from Harry Potter. I okay, so I just I don't want anyone to get super upset at me. Uh oh. I think I've seen probably like seventy five percent of the movies and read probably like three three and a half sevenths of the books. You know what? That's fine. I really appreciate that, Casey. Let's talk about the Lodgepole Pine. Let us. Okay. So have you ever seen a lodgepole pine that you know about? That you know, I guess? Not that, that I of. saw and was like, hey, that there's a lodgepole pine, mister. Uh-huh. But let me frame this in the way I do every episode. Please. Let's say that we are walking through the forest mm-hmm. and we come across a beautiful primo chef's kiss lodgepole pine. Yep. What are we seeing 
feeling, experiencing with this tree. All right. So this is actually really fun because it depends very strictly on where and which forest you are walking through. Should we localize it to the Pacific Northwest? No, because that still changes. Whoa. Yes. I'll give you the quick basics. Okay. It has, um, it is a pine. And this is. Sorry, I bumped up against the mic. Oh, gosh. That was, <laughs> it squeaked. I didn't know what that was. All right. So you're walking through a forest, right? And um, this could be any forest in the West. And one thing I do want to say, yes, we do have a lot of Western trees, but trust me, it's going it, to, we expand. So don't, don't fret anyone on the East Coast. This lodgepole pine mm-hmm. is a super common tree in almost every forest west or in the rockies west all the way down to northern central california all the way up into bc alberta interesting and but the thing is if you're walking the thing that the, all these trees in all these different areas have in common is that it is a two needle pine ah alex what we haven't talked about actual pine trees yet have we this is our first true oh my pine. Gosh. This is exciting. Okay, so here's a real quick, we have to just take one little tiny step back. Mm. So pines, pine trees in the genus Pinus, um, they are also the namesake of the pine family, Pinaceae. Right. So that has you know, the Douglas fir, the spruces, hemlocks, and firs, all these other different trees. But um, the pines, they have, except for a very few exceptions, leaves that are all these long needle-like leaves that are in bundles of either two, three, or five. Well, when you say needle-like leaves, you yeah. just mean needles, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. But in order, you know, I, it's nice to be, you know, just a little bit technical every oh, now and then. Oh, sure, because yeah. a needle is a leaf. Technically, exactly. Yes, okay, sorry. So um, they have needles that are in bundles, and they have these little sheaths around the base. Two, three, or five? Two, three, or five. Okay. So if you are, there's only, like, there's a couple pinions that have single leaves. In fact, they're called the single-leaf pinions. Mm. And those are little pine trees that grow in, like, the southwest, and I'm sure there's a couple more wackadoodles somewhere else else but almost all of them will have these bundles or all these uh leaves in bundles and they are like the quintessential tree everyone you know if you're over in the south everyone talks about you know pine trees every evergreen is just a pine tree even though it could be anything but they're the most well-known and the most ubiquitous trees around right for sure so the lodgepole pine has uh leaves in bundles of two also, it seems like pine seems like such a huge family. It is. There's there's a lot of different ones. Let's see. How many pines actually are there? That's a really good question. Are like most conifers pines? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think there might be, well, there might be the most. Yeah, but there's like 110 species, and they're wow. mostly all in the northern hemisphere. So they are, um, and the reason that they're called Pinus contorta is because their leaves, their little... Um, their two needles um, kind of twist about 90 degrees or so as they come out of the, the little sheath. Yes. And so these, the needles are only maybe two to three inches long. They're fairly short and they usually are, um, they, they bunched or they're bunched at the end of the, the branches. So they kind of had these sort of little short tufts. They almost look like um, like a pipe cleaner or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. But like a, for a big pipe, for like, you know, a two or sure. like a four or five inch pipe. We're talking a Mario-sized pipe. Exactly. 
And they also grow um, about 40, 50 feet tall. Some of them can be just a little bit taller, um, especially if they're really, really old. But they're not the most massive trees you're ever going to find. Yeah, the the Sibley Guide says um, that the lodgepole grows max 150 feet. Yeah, exactly. And that's, which is that's, tall, but that's max. Exactly. That's the biggest one that someone's measured so yeah. far, and at least that we know of. And But they also have really beautiful bark. I like their bark specifically hmm. because it usually gets broken up um, into like little squares or little rectangles. And it kind of goes all the way up the tree, especially as it gets older. And some in the south maintain like a really orange tone to them as they get Ooh, older. Beautiful. They're really just gorgeous. Um, I like the bark. It's very, it's a very satisfying texture of being very fine, in my opinion. But also, when you get close to it, it's, it's fairly hard. Hmm. Um, and especially the one that grows on the coast, it tends to get bark that's just a little bit more furrowed. It doesn't break up quite as much, but it just has these you know, little bit deeper lines in it. Can you tell me really quickly why that is? I can't tell you why because no one quite knows. But there oh. are there's 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 some ideas, you know, sort of in broad senses. But this Alex harkens back to the initial question. Question that you asked, which was okay. Let's let's just you know narrow it to the Pacific Northwestern yeah. Pinus contorta. There are four different varieties or subspecies that grow all over the West. Like I said, from the Rockies all the way over to the coast, Alberta down to northern Central California. Wow. Okay. That's the very. That's what the variation is all about. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So V A R after the species Pinus contorta. V A R var. Yeah. It means uh, variety. Oh, variety. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's so, the first one I've seen it like this. I've never seen that before. Yeah. And there are some that, that will have that, but it's honestly a lot of trees you can put right to a species, and you can say this is this species and then others like the lodgepole pine if you're on the coast it's pinus contorta variety contorto and then if you're in the if you're right next to say mount hood in the cascades in oregon then that is going to be pinus contorta variety latifolia interesting if you're down in the south there's another one that's like muriana and then there's one more that grew in like the mendocino coast or something like that like mm. it's really it's it's I, i'm not very familiar with it i'll look up and see if i can find the the variety name okay but the the thing is these trees they're only subspecies because genetically they're exactly the same and they can interbreed still <gasps> interesting and so you're like okay so they're not they're the same tree but here's here this is what's so fun about this if you go to mount hood and you find a lodgepole pine pinus contorta variety latifolia that will be straight as an arrow it'll grow straight up it's lodgepole i mean that's the name in the name it's because they were perfect to make into like old log cabins or something like that that was my other question casey there you go that was my other dumb question to get out of the way before we get into the scientific <laughs> shit yeah. listen i got a couple i just got a couple dumb questions okay uh, do oh, they call it lodgepole because uh you can build a lodge with it no they call it that for a different reason <laughs> No, yeah, you're right. But they also they're also well used for like uh, telephone poles and things like that. Oh. So we should just call it the pole pine. That's a great. That's yeah. I think I feel like that's a more updated modern name. I think it sounds reasonable. Maybe you can pitch it at the next convention. <laughs> uh, the the tree naming convention, the ones I've been to multiple times. <laughs> But so here's the funny thing. If you go to the coast, you go right down to like basically the sand dunes over in Florence, oh, in, yeah. which is on the coast of central Oregon, you will not find one that can grow straight to save your life. It will be these really weird, twisted, small, shrubby things that don't get more than maybe 20, 25 feet tall. The shore lodgepole. Exactly. The shore pine. And then ones in the Sierra Nevada, like around um, uh, like the Trinity Alps uh, wilderness and uh, what is that? National Park. Yosemite. 
Yosemite. Uh, in Yosemite, if you can find a bunch of old ones there, which there are several, they're really big, they're really short, and they just get these straight trunks, but they're not very tall. And they just get really big and fat. There's a book here, I'll show you a picture of it, and there's just like gorgeous they almost look like um almost like miniature versions of themselves but in kind of like the you know central california coast when their trees just do such cool things and we don't know why these varieties grow in these different ways well we have a, an idea but it's hard to like prove it in a very strict way and i'm sure that someone has and i'm sure that i just have missed this the main thing that they're thinking is that the trees themselves um were growing here i think four three million years ago mm. and back then it was there wasn't maybe an ice or there wasn't glaciers coming down but then as glaciers came down and took over all of the lowland areas the only places that had room for trees to grow would be at the very highest elevations in the mountains okay so in the rockies the cascades and the coast range mountains yep so you had these three different um spatially separated um, biomes where you had these one tree was growing over all of that area then they got separated they couldn't interbreed for a couple thousands oh. of years so they just bred within their these individual distinct populations and they kind of found their little niche exactly okay. yeah so one developed extremely straight up the other developed a lot more low line because maybe it was getting blasted by um, wind and uh, things coming off the coast uh -huh. and then the other ones had to get um, it had to be much better at being really 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 dry because in the Rockies there's a lot less water than there is in the Cascades than there is in the coast that's fascinating yeah so over a couple thousand millions of years you get these little minute changes but not enough that they are actually now completely separate species but you can imagine that maybe given another millions of year, a couple millions of years, mm -hmm. maybe they will become their own species. So genetically, they're extremely similar. Okay, and yeah. and they can all interbreed and make. So you can you could breed a you could breed a uh, a latifolia with a contorta. That's my understanding. And it would be like a half latifolia, half contorta. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of bent, but not really. Exactly. Oh, that's the half bent tree. That's a half contorta. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other, uh, are there any other like, um, species of trees that do this? You know, I, I'm, I know the answer to that question fundamentally. Yes. yes. Okay. All over the place, but right off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Well, hey, listener, if yeah. you if you know of another species of tree that has Please. like, yeah, we, yeah. I want to know more. I want to make a list of all these. So that is the tree, and the cones are like the quintessential pine cones. Yes, like, this is when everyone, everyone, you can say pine cone. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Oh, this Yay. is something that you you totally called me out on many years ago. Mm -hmm. I I called a cone a pine cone. You yeah. said that's not a pine cone. That's so a you know a fur cone. a fur cone yeah exactly which is right it was kind of a pine cone exactly right? well, it's in the pine family but no it's not it's not it's, it's oh, okay it's, it's related a, it is still just a fur cone but yeah, yeah p people call all cones pine cones and they are not and also at some point i was just like casey shut up who cares someone's playing around with a thing they call it a pine cone i don't care so yeah this is a true pine cone this is a true pine cone little little ones are maybe like two inches long they're very classic they they usually just hang on the tree for a couple years and then they drop off it's a good looking cone. Yeah, it's a it's a good looking tree. I, I like almost just said it's a good looking pine cone. I stopped myself, <laughs> but I could have said that. You get in the habit. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's got that. It's got that. Um, you know what it's got? What? It's like um, if you like made it into a ball, into like a 
sphere. Uh-huh. You could like it looks like a medieval like uh the you would put it on the end of a morning star. Oh yeah, like a I always called those maces, but yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I think I know I, exactly what you're talking about. I think there's a difference. I think you're probably right. Morning star is the actual star shape at the end that has the spikes on it. Oh, which is why I was comparing it to this cone because right. the cone's very spiky Man, itself. I need to look into my medieval weaponry more often. Well, that's you know we're starting another podcast episode ten completely. Uh, no, I'm not smart enough to come <laughs> I know, up with a damn it. name on the spot. I was really hoping we were going to come up with something clever. And you have to subscribe to the Completely Universe. Yeah, right? <laughs> Our whole studio of podcasts. <laughs> All some kind of pun. Yeah. Oh, I can't come up with that many puns. I hate puns. I know. I regret that our our podcast is named after one. I'm so sorry. People think it's a green light to give us all their <laughs> tree puns. It is. <laughs> Okay, so, but this is, so here is a Don't you mean evergreen light? (laughs) Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. <laughs> okay, so there is um, something that has been that is affecting this tree, and I want you to try to pronounce this name. Oh. And I don't know, I don't know how I can do it. So I'm just gonna spell it for me. I'll type it into Google. Ooh, over here. okay, all right. You ready? Yeah. D e n d r o c t O N U S. Well, I recognize the first half of it, dendro, right. yeah. which is trees. That's right. And the second half, uh, oh, okay. Dendro, uh, yeah, uh, dendroctonus. I that sounds that sounds perfect. Dendroctonus. I would use dendroctonus. Dren- dendroctonus is great. That sounds like yeah. a super Superman villain. I was gonna say I thought it was. I the first thing I thought it was like a spaceship that like you Ooh, find somewhere. Like the, quick, get in the dendroctonus. The oh. USS dendroctonus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Den dendroctonus. Dendroconus. Yep. No, 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 no. Hold on. We don't want another alleliopathy incident. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I just looked up that like today. Yeah. And I realized that someone's like, why are you adding in that extra syllable? Yeah, sorry, I didn't even everybody. realize I was doing that. What is it? Allelopathy. Yeah, I think so. Not alleliopathy. I'm not going to say it. Dendroctinus. Dendroctinus ponderose. Okay, Casey, what does this insane word mean? It is the scientific name for the mountain pine beetle. It's a bug? It is a bug. Shit. Yeah, beetle. Cool. So, it is cool, but I've actually had um, this this insect has been um, 
a, a just an interesting thing for a long time. It's mm. it's absolutely hated everywhere you go. Oh, because it kills pine trees. This insect and the lodgepole pine has been a topic of intense discussion and scrutiny for many decades now, at least since the late 90s for everything mm. that I've been reading. Um, and the reason is, like, people have asked me from other parts of the country, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was staying with this lovely family at a conference, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, tell us about this. And they talked about the massive amounts of dying trees, entire forests of trees getting killed off in the West. Whoa. And they're like, what's going on with that? And I was like, oh, that's actually... That's actually one little uh, species of beetle called the mountain pine beetle. The dendroctinus. Yeah, and there are others. So there, it's um, this is one of the big ones, but there is um, there's plenty of other species of what's called bark beetles, and that's what this little guy is. He's a bark beetle, and what that means is it is a beetle that bores into and under the bark of a tree. In this case, a pine trees. A couple different species okay. bores underneath it into the wood. And as we've talked about before on this podcast, there's wood, there's the cambium, which mm-hmm. is the vascular system of the tree with all the goodies in it going up and down. Then there's the bark. Yeah. The bark protects the cambium. The wood in the inside does a bunch of water things and sends water up and down. Then it's just like the structural support afterwards, like oh. a like coral, you know? Okay. So um, the beetles, what they do is they burrow in, they lay their eggs, and then their eggs hatch, and they have these little tiny grubs. And these grubs basically burrow between the bark and the wood, and they eat the cambium layer. Wow. Because it's delicious and full of nutrients. Interesting. So that is, that's how, the, that's the life cycle. And then they uh, they pupate, and they turn into, uh, they kind of pop into these little galleries, or what they're called, which is like the the lines they leave on the wood afterwards hmm. and also i'll show some show some pictures and everyone has seen these galleries if you pull the bark off of a dead piece of tree or bark oh alex is shaking his head really hardcore right uh there. nodding yes yes sorry I, yeah whoops <laughs> i didn't want to give the wrong impression <laughs> yeah, no, good call <laughs> but they um they're really beautiful and they're like oh these really cool patterns yeah and a lot of times they're completely innocuous and they're they happen after the tree's already dead this happens when the trees are still alive. Okay. So it's actually kind of like very creepy crawly. Like imagine you're a living tree, then all Ugh. of a sudden, yeah, no, Alex can't handle it. Neither can I. Yeah, think I about it. I don't like it at all. All right, we're going to stop that line of thought right there. But but really quick, so these these specifically want alive trees? Yes, because they are eating the living cambium. I know a, a tree is pretty sturdy. Right. It can take a lot of shit. And do you know how big these beetles are, especially their larvae? Oh, God, how big? They're like the size of a sesame seed. Oh, they're tiny. They are tiny. I was ready to. I was ready to cringe. I guess that is also a cringeworthy in its own way. Oh yeah, if you want a cringeworthy bug, look up the um, Asian longhorn beetle. Nah. Yeah, that'll give you nightmares. <laughs> so these little guys, they are. They have what's called. They just do these big um, infestations, basically, and they yeah. have like these um, gigantic outbreaks where you have one tree. Lodgepole pine. That lodgepole pine um, gets attacked by one beetle, and it pushes it out. Just pushes out a bunch of sap. Don't worry about it. And the tree's like, I can take you. Oh, it kills the beetles? Pushes it out with sap, yeah. Cool. And so, um, But over time, what you can imagine is uh, something kind of like death by a thousand cuts, or yeah. rather invasion by a thousand million cuts. Not million, a lot. Because you have one tree, or one beetle, then another beetle, then another beetle, then another beetle, and the tree is like fighting off this one, then that one, then this one, then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I, I can't. 
I have no more sap left. It's already dry, and I'm struggling, which is why these beetles came in the first place, is they attack stressed trees. Oh, my God. They f- they prey on the weak. They do, which is a natural thing everywhere, right? I mean, lions do this when they're attacking a herd of gazelle. But the thing is, that's also like an evolutionary process, right? If you get rid of the weak uh, components of a population, mm. then the stronger ones survive. It's just good for everybody. It's great for everybody. So in that case, you have one tree die. Okay, cool. But here's what happens with the pine trees in this situation, the or in the West here, very broadly speaking, including these, lodgepole. Most specifically, lodgepole. Oh, okay. But they also do attack other um, other species, um, like they can get lodgepole, ponderosa, western white pine, white bark pine, limber pine, jack pine, um, and then, but not you know, a couple other here and there. But they have a special. Uh, they have a special. Uh need for that lodgepole pine yeah they really like lodgepole pine but there's also it's not only that there is that they like it it's that there's so many of them oh so many lodgepole pines yeah we're gonna we're gonna get on that real fast before we talk about how they sort of do this outbreak thing okay because um don't worry you're just getting excited because we're going in such i am it's it's, the picture is like getting bigger and bigger and bigger there's a lot of moving parts here this is like the first episode in an epic tv show where they're introducing all the characters (laughs) That's this is exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So character number one, these little teeny tiny beetles <laughs> and all their children. Character number two, lodgepole pine. pine. One beetle attacks. Tree's fine. Seven hundred beetles attack. The tree's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. I've run out of literal blood. I can't push them out. The tree gets overwhelmed, and the beetles go in. They start eating up all the cambium. Wow! Th- that tree dies. When that tree dies, then the beetles that are inside there have filled up and colonized this entire tree. So if 700 beetles got in one tree, each one of them had 10 babies. Now you have 7,000 beetles, right? And so if each one of those lives, which, you know, we're just throwing out random numbers here. They could be a lot bigger, a lot smaller. I think they're a lot bigger, actually. Then all of a sudden... There's 7,000 trees or 7,000 insects that are coming out the next year. And now they don't even need a stressed tree anymore. They can just attack anything and overwhelm it because there's so many of them. Oh, they move from tree to tree in like packs? Exactly. Yeah. It's in like literal outbreaks where you can just watch it spread across (sighs) the landscape. But so here's the next, here's the next, uh, oh yeah. Before you move on to that, can I ask a quick question? Of course. About, you said they take over a tree. Yeah. Does that mean they're just taking over the cambium layer and they're leaving the wood intact basically? Oh, basically, exactly. Yeah. So if you saw a a tree that, that met its demise at the hands of a horde of bark beetles, it would just be like a, a, a big pole, like a pole, a lodgepole, um, (laughs) with a bunch of rivulets all all over it and. Or you wouldn't you would you maybe not even see any different because it still has its bark. The, yeah, you wouldn't see it. So if it's fresh, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily see it. But if okay. you look close on it, you can see what's called frass, which is the sawdust that comes out because they're actually you know eating through the wood, right? Oh, frass. So, yeah, it's called F or F R A S S frass. Okay. And that is the leavings of the wood that they kind of chew through because they don't eat the wood; they eat the cambium. Okay. So as they're eating and they burrowing in. The frass is the uh, you know from going through the bark, to going through the very first layers of wood because they they have to burrow in the wood just a little bit so that they can actually walk around and go through there. Oh sure. And those are the galleries that you see. They're building their uh, highway system. Yeah, exactly. So each one of these little guys will go in there and push out just a little bit of frass, and then you'll usually see maybe a little bit of uh, sap as well where the tree is trying to push it out. Okay. So you get all these little holes, and you get these little frass 
pockets coming out. You can see sawdust at the base of the tree, and you're like, wow, I see, oh, there's a thousand little teeny tiny holes mm. all over this tree, and you can tell because they have that sawdust. That's how you can tell the tree is attacked because they have these little holes with these little frass, uh, you know, sawdust leavings hanging uh-huh. out. Okay. And then you can tell if it died also um, the year later because the beetles have a fungus that comes in on them. Ooh. And then that fungus grows inside the beetle holes and then pops a little mushroom out. So you can see, I know, this is awful, isn't it? Sounds so morbid. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I guess like this, this is really interesting and yeah. a lot of people don't even aren't squeamish about this, but at the words like uh, beetle hole fungus, <laughs> I get a little... <laughs> You're like, oh, I can't mm. handle that. Yeah. Well, you can see these little white mushrooms uh, that are covering the entire tree from top to bottom, and they just pop out from each one of these holes, and then they send themselves out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, right? This is the thing. The beetles initially will start attacking the most stressed trees. Just like you know any other natural process, and I should also add, these beetles are native. This is not an invasive species. This is not something that is you know, wow, why did we do this and cause it? You know, why did we release this beetle here? Yeah, it's been here the whole time. It's been a natural part of this ecosystem since time immemorial. Interesting. But what has changed in the last two hundred years are people, and two specific things about people. One, we have stopped forest fires. Now, I'm going to say three things, actually. Oh, interesting, Casey. Yeah, this is this is where everything really starts to unfold, and which is why I am not here to demonize this little beetle. Okay. This beetle has opportunity, and it's taking it, and it is thriving mm. across the West. In order for that beetle to thrive across the West, it has to kill all these trees. So as these trees are growing, and we stop forest fires which are a very natural and important part of the ecosystem from you know, all over the West, like literally the Great Plains coming all the way through the Rockies, the Intermountain West, Northern California, Southern California, Oregon, Washington, everywhere, except maybe the Coast Range, that, uh, once in a lifetime. And all these huge, gigantic uh, populations of trees, we cut them all down, we stop forest fires, and then they grow back thick as ever, like just hmm. packed in there. One of the things I was reading um, was saying that the trees are growing. There's three times more lodgepole pine per acre in like uh, the Canadian forests than there was before we came over and we started saying, whoa, no more fires. We have to stop all the forest fires. Forest fires are bad. And that's because once there's a fire, everything grows. Like when you shave and it grow, your beard grows back thicker. Yeah. It's supposed to. It's, Mine yeah, doesn't. I also heard that. I don't know if it does. <laughs> Mine certainly does. <laughs> but that's exactly right. So it does in, uh, that is a fact. If you shave off all the trees on a landscape, mm-hmm. they will grow back thicker. Specifically, um, Lodgepole pine is a fire-adapted um, species. Okay. So it is used to having its entire stands burn up entirely. Then all the new beautiful growth, it pops up new trees and they grow up. And then maybe one or two die here. Then another fire comes and it kills off some of them, but not the others. Their fire-adapted ecosystems have fires that come through low-level, low-intensity maybe every five to 10 years. That's okay. historically what it used to be. Now you get these big, massive fires that come you know, every really long period of time. So the fire-adapted species, they would grow and they would end up getting this thick bark at the base. So the trees are living through these fires, but at very low densities. Yeah. So as soon as you stop the fires, the fires don't kill off all these new little saplings and seedlings that are growing. So then you get these really thick, 
thick, thick, thick, thick forests. And remember, this is dry area. So because it's dry, it wants fires, but it also just doesn't have a lot of water. So if you don't have a lot of water and you don't have a lot of fires, but you have a bunch of trees, resources are at a very, very high premium. Okay. Then all of a sudden, you get a lot of stressed out trees. <gasps> and who loves stressed out trees? Down at the town, Dendroctonus ponderosa. So, Interesting. then, all of a sudden, you have millions and millions and millions of trees, literally three times as many as you normally would have. Mm-hmm. Then, you get all of them are stressed because it's like packing, if one tree is really big and then 100 feet away, there's another one big tree, they have no competition between themselves. Right. Now, if all of a sudden you have a bunch, like let's say three times as many medium-sized trees, they're all struggling for the resources. I.e. stressed. I.e. stressed because they don't have enough water. Also, how do these trees push out these insects? Sap. Exactly. So they push out the sap. If the water is what keeps this sap flowing and now you don't have enough water, the tree itself is stressed, which means it can't put out as much sap. If it can't put out as much sap, it can't fight off these beetles. Oh my God. Then all of a sudden, these beetles attack it, and then they're like, every tree here is stressed. It's like you walk in, and every single shop is like, hey, free sample, free sample, free sample, free sample. Wow. And then all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, actually, all these samples are delicious. I'd like to buy the whole store. Jeez. Then you get these massive, massive die-offs across the just the whole forest. And when I say the whole forest, I mean the contiguous forests of the western United States and Canada. So what are we going to do? You know, everyone complains and blames this beetle, but it's like, well, the beetle, it's a, it's native. It's been here. It's the ponderosa pine and the lodgepole pine. White bark pine, all of these trees have dealt with this beetle their entire existence. Yeah, the beetle's just doing what it's always done. Exactly. And so we have changed it. Then, add climate change. Now things are getting hotter and drier all the time. Yeah. So now the stress that was already there, because instead of having a couple different sardines in a can, now you have 30 sardines in the can, and each one of those sardines needs the same amount, and you have no more. In fact, now you have less amount of the resources for these sardines, mm. and then you get a sardine bug that comes in there and eats them all. Interesting. Yeah. A sardine that was originally is even named after the fact that is harvested for a specific purpose by humans. (laughs) Exactly. So it's really, it comes down to, unfortunately, um, the, the forest management and land management practices of us. Well, this people. this all makes me feel uh, a little little bit of sympathy for the lodgepole pine. I think it should. I mean, they're they're they're. I don't know. We use them for what we want, and then we just let them go crazy, and then we don't give them what they need, and we actively stop the the monitoring or the mediating force fire yeah. that would help keep these different populations in balance. Well, Casey, let's. Let's speak for the trees here. All right. By giving this lodgepole pine, I feel like you're shaking right now. A review. You're like I don't I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> My mind's all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot to it's it's this is a huge topic. It's it's in a, you have so many different levels, right? I think the only way we can do it is by going with our gut. I think we should. Yeah, a gut filled with little beetle larvae like okay, a bird. That's enough. All right, sorry. Casey as our resident expert uh, we will begin with your review of this tragic story of the lodgepole pine. All right. I believe that I, I like this tree a lot. I think it's a great tree. Um, however, I will say, when I'm walking into a forest of lodgepole pines, I'm a little disappointed. Why? I just don't think that they are incredible trees. 
Okay. Yeah, I there, I can think of a very specific area where I camp and have camped for decades now, and. Every time I've gone there, there's been there's one section that's these, this beautiful area. It's a certain kind of cut called a shelter cut. So there's these big trees with a bunch of little trees growing around. Hmm. And then you walk to the other side of the stream, and it was a clear cut. And everything that's coming back is just nothing but lodgepole pine. Okay. I hate that lodgepole pine forest area. I'm just like, oh, this is so monotonous. Oh, because they're all so straight and perfect yeah, looking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, in terms of ecosystems, both are you know lovely, and they have a lot of different um, good qualities. But the the tree itself, you know, we're gonna. This is now actually, I think, not the tree's perspective. This is the Casey perspective. The tree is just okay. It doesn't doesn't have anything fancy to it. Doesn't, get, doesn't after, get tall. After all this, <laughs> no, it's a victim. Don't get me wrong, but uh, honestly, five and a half. Wow, yeah, five point five. Interesting. Okay, it's not it's not bad. But however, I would say uh, actually either one. Any of them, yeah, they're just you know five point five point five. Okay, are you giving that to all the varieties across the board? Yes, because I'm averaging out between them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you what the averages are because I, I can't do that math. No, backwards. We've we've already established in this podcast that you, we're, we're not, not great at, at uh, numbers <laughs> or averages. We're strictly qualitative here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a five point five. Five point five. Yeah, for, for the lodgepole pine from uh-huh. Casey Clapp. Yeah, if you can, uh, if you instead plant ponderosa pine in that forest, I'd be much happier. Oh sure. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for our ponderosa pine episode. Oh, neither can I. I'm so excited about it. Okay, great. Five point five. Not a bad yeah. score. I mean, like not not terrible. It's not terrible. Yeah. I kind of see that as like a a a, a you know like kind of a. Um, a 5.5 with honor. Like, yeah. yeah, take your 5.5. Exactly. Wear it proud. Yeah, wear it proud. But also, you're a victim here. Yeah, and, that's uh, be, that's yeah. why. Yeah, we're yeah. the perpetrators. Yeah, okay. Not the beetle. Yeah. All right, what about you, Alex? All right. Um, gosh, I, you know, I have so many thoughts, but I'm, I'm just going to jump in and go with my gut. I'm going to give this lodgepole pine a 7.0. A 7.0. Yes. All right. I All just, right. I think everything considered, you have the beetle uh, massacre... Um, you've got the, uh, aesthetics of the tree, which sorry to everybody. This is kind of part of how I judge trees. I think that's fair. That's why I brought you on. Hey, thanks. My keen eye for, for my shallow, my shallow perspective on natural beauty. (laughs) Um, I think it's, I think it's a good looking tree. I don't think it's like, you know, I like a nice tall, straight kind of, it almost looks like a pencil sticking out of the ground. Yeah. Um, and I, I also like. Some of the f- photos I've seen, the foliage kind of starts like halfway up. Oh, I see. Yeah, it does. Is, it, is that maybe due to fires? Um, sometimes, yeah. But okay. also, it, it's not shade tolerant. So as as it gets shaded out in the lower areas, oh. because the forest gets taller and more compact, uh-huh. then it will lose all those branches over time. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I just think that like, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, romantically, it's sort of a tragic story that this- It is. Um, This lodgepole pine is just like- by no fault of its own, mm-hmm. just a buffet for these voracious beetles. And I don't yeah. blame the beetles either. Obviously, I blame the humans. I think that's, that is it, ultimately. I am never on the human side in anything we ever talk about. Really? Besides, like, individual humans. Oh, like, I yeah. like I like my friends and my family. That's and my, true. My, I was going to say my dog, but he's not Yeah, a I was like, he's not quite. It's a great producer. Canine. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I give it a seven point oh. All I think things it's considered, fair. yeah, I think that's the right. I, I I agree with that. I would also have done that if I hadn't given a different score. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what we do on There's this podcast a fact we, for you. <laughs> we give different scores because we are yeah. individuals. 
Well, I think that all sounds good. So if anyone, uh, I, I'm, I really am curious. I want people's opinion on this because it changes so vastly um, on, you know, what you think about it but yeah it's it's so nuanced i think the whole yeah. story of the the mountain pine beetle and everything and and the funny thing is this is ongoing it's been like this since like the mid 90s everyone started noticing like what's happening mm. we know there's a lot happening yeah it's one of those things you know what's going on but what are we going to do about it a whole lot of nothing nothing the human way we're going to study it figure out what it is that we need to do and then continue doing what we're doing well, everybody, that was our slightly depressing review of the Lodgepole Pine. <laughs> when I was driving over here, I was thinking that. I was like, this is going to be a sad story. <laughs> Sorry. It's kind of a downer, but uh, <laughs> let's bring it back up with a question from a listener. Casey, uh, this question is from Lexi9114. Lexi asks, what's the coolest thing a tree can do? What's the, like off the top of your head, what's like oh, the coolest thing that a tree geez. can do? Oh my God. I'll give my answer. Yeah, go for from it. From what I know of trees so far. Which is substantial. I think uh, a lelopathy. Ah, well said. Is uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah, you you like their you know. Ba- I'm gonna say it's like it's like a superpower. Right? Yeah, well, the black walnut we as we know now doesn't have a yeah. lilipathy. Well, it it may. We just can't find the article that said that it does. Right. <laughs> so that's that might be my my personal answer. Okay, I think right. that's pretty cool. I also think it's cool when when. Uh, Trees can like grow on a rock face mm. and just shoot its roots down into the earth. Oh from man, tens of feet away. Well, Casey, what's your what's your answer here? What's okay. the coolest thing a tree can do? The first thing that popped into my head was a tree can reinvent itself. Interesting. All right, so here's here's the idea. The tree's ten years old. It gets completely mauled by a bear on one side. Then that tree. Every single year that it grows, it will try and cover up and close over that wound, right? Right. Now when that tree's 80 years old- Compartmentalization. Even, exactly. So you'll, you'll, you would never even know that that's there sometimes. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. So the tree is just like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. I want to be a perfectly, completely closed off system. I'm just going to work back at it. Yeah. Reinvents itself from a completely mauled tree to now a new tree. If you are a big, gigantic tree and you're going through this huge storm and the top gets ripped off, you know, you, mm. you get Zeus throws down a thunderbolt, knocks your head off, the tree- does not give up. The tree's just like, well, I guess now I'm going to have multiple heads, yeah. like a hydra. Wow. And There's a lot of... <laughs> Greek metaphors going on here. I like it. I like Greek. You know I'm a fan. Yeah, all right. I mean, I'm good. Yeah, and this is ultimately just... This is for us. <laughs> That's not true. This is for all of you. So the tree will then slowly but surely turn and start having new buds that just start growing straight up. Mm. And it will start reinventing its top and then... The tree does not stop. It doesn't question. It just says, okay, this is it. Now I'm just going to keep going. So a tree will completely reinvent itself and and learn, not necessarily learn from its mistakes, but react and adapt and then just keep going. You get, knock that tree over, it'll just grow, start growing up from its new perspective. It'll shoot back up much like Hermes, the messenger of the gods. Exactly. Hermes is so fast. All right. Well, anyway, that's what I think. I, I like. I think the coolest thing that trees can do is adapt, react, and completely reinvent themselves no matter what happens. If they don't die, they just keep on going. And that is an extremely cool thing to I do. Think that's inc- I think it's extremely cruel. cool. Cool. Oh, careful. Oops, sorry. I think we could all learn a lesson from that uh, from that attitude. Yeah, I think we very much could. Yeah. Way to go, trees. Yeah. Well, that has been this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Casey, we did it again. I had so much fun. This I'm is, sorry that it was so depressing. This is uh, this is our eighth episode. You Number know eight. Maybe the longest I've ever done anything. 
eight times? Well, no, just, you know, for the amount of weeks we've been making oh, this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, let's, let's go for a record. Nine times. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have a question about trees or something else, send us an email at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod for all things completely arbitrary. That's where we post all of our stuff. And if you want more content from Casey and I about trees and other such things, become a patron of ours at patreon.com slash completely arbitrary. You will not regret it. Become a part of the Arboretum or the Cone of the Month Club. Ooh. Casey, well done. You as well, Alex. And well done to the Lodgepole Pine. It's, you know, it's a sad story, but um, we soldier on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stand up straight. Continue. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>